The TSW Roundtable is a proud member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Follow at SW Commonwealth on Twitter and take your first steps into a larger world. Hello there. You want the bad news? Roger, Roger. The Force. It's calling to you. This is not going to go the way you think. Now you will experience the full power of the dark side. That's not how the Force works. I need someone to show me my place in all this. This is madness. Let the past die. Kill it. It's a trap! Fulfill your destiny. No! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special edition of the TSW Roundtable. I am, once again, your moderator, Robert Cast, and this is our retrospective series. In order to fill up the dead time we are bound to have between the Han Solo movie and Episode Nine, we're putting out a Star Wars retrospective series for all the movies, and today, being the first one, we're starting at number one, The Phantom Menace. But I won't be tackling this one alone. I'll be uh, having some... Uh, help from friends of mine first all the way from the left coast of canada rob williams you want us hat everybody rob hey guys how you doing hey rob how you doing um so i'm and, doing awesome and uh generation x-wing doing awesome i'm assuming <laughs> we are doing awesome we got a new co-host uh steve three so it's the four of us are just trying to just trying to have a lot of fun uh talking nerd stuff so can't you can't go wrong no you can't you can't really no. and another a couple of friends of mine which i had the pleasure of meeting face to face down in orlando last year from the rogue squadron podcast commander cody and mopar you want to say hi guys Good day, Good day galaxy. galaxy. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I knew that was going to happen. I was waiting for it. I know. I was like, should I introduce them individually? Or no, I'll just, I'll just throw it against that. Uh, so how are you guys doing? You guys uh, looking forward to uh, You guys got a big game down there coming up next week, don't you? Or some super or something? Super, no. Something. Super, super, bowl. super sassy bowl. Yeah. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> That's nothing I would know about. No. <laughs> Here we go. So Phantom Menace came out in 1999. I'm going to throw it off to Cody first. And we're going to ask the guys, where were you and what were you doing? And how did you see this movie when it came out? So Cody. It's hard to remember being so long ago. I was 11, at, uh, probably 10 at the time, because they come out in May, I think, uh, back in the day. Yes. Um, yeah, so I was 10. Um, I was just getting into Star Wars. I mentioned on the show the first one that I ever saw in theaters was the episode four special edition in 97. And then the second movie I saw in theaters was obviously Phantom Menace. Um, so it's hard to remember exactly what I was doing. I know my cousins are 10, 12 years older than me, so they were into it and they wanted to see it when it came back and see the new one, obviously. I have to imagine just like Force Awakens, there was mega hype back in 98, 99 for this movie to come out. Um, so they took me. I remember loving it like right away and I was huge into Legos. So as soon as we left the movie theater, I like demanded that we go to the toy store so I could get some Legos. And I remember getting like Anakin's pod racer and uh, Darth Maul's Sith infiltrator. And those are like two of my favorite Lego sets ever. So this movie was like, it really kicked off my obsession with star Wars and it was tied almost directly with toys, which I have to imagine, you know, for a lot of young fans, that's exactly what Lucas was going for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I, I'm sure someone that can relate, uh, Rob Williams, but you can probably relate to the original trilogy when it comes to toys, much as yeah. myself. Yeah. Um, uh, you're, you're a little bit older than Cody, but uh, what, what were you doing and where were you when this movie came out? First of all, how old were you, Cody? Uh, Ten. Ten. Oh, see, that's the perfect age. That is the perfect age because that's what I was when I saw, well, I think I was 11 when I saw Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and uh, so when Phantom Mass came out, the year was 1999, and I was 29 years old or so, and I was in actually in teaching. I was in uh, starting up my teacher's degree. I was almost finished the program, and when I found and I actually lined up for midnight for this thing with uh, Anil, who's my co-host, and one of our first co-hosts of the show, Bulent. That's actually where I first met him, and we went all out. We I've never done a midnight showing before, so we lined up at the Metro Town out in Vancouver. And uh, there weren't a lot of cosplayers, except um, except Anil. There was like four Darth Mauls, and Anil was one of them with his frosted tips. It was fantastic. He has face paint and everything. And I dressed up in my, my lame 
uh, Han Solo vest with a white shirt just to look something like it. And we just had a lot of fun. Everybody was dressed up. There was there was just everybody running around. And at the same time, they're also showing um, – what was the other – there was a Hugh Grant movie, a Hugh Grant movie showing at the same time. Um, I, I can't remember what it was. And everybody was getting so excited and running around, lightsaber battles. And the usher came out, and he was angry at us. He's like, act like you want to see a movie. And was like, we're not here for Hugh Grant for crying out loud. We're here for a Star Wars movie. Just let us be. And so <laughs> eventually uh, I had brought a camera and uh, I snuck it in and stuff. But the whole atmosphere was just fantastic. It was just we had Star Wars again. And there was people in line of our age or people younger. And it was honestly, I don't think we would have cared so much what the movie was like. We just wanted to see Star Wars and all the hype that came with it from the, from the videos to the commercials, to the pictures, we were just excited and, uh, it was a lot of fun. So that's right. I remember going to school the next day. Uh, so we were out till three in the morning and the next day we were just, I was just dead tired. And I was, I had, I remember filling up my Dilbert, uh, calendar saying, um, this is 1999 folks, my Dilbert calendar <laughs> Uh, saying, okay, I got to see this movie and then I got to go to school the next day and just try and be half awake. And um, it was just, it was a fantastic night. Awesome. And uh, I think the movie you're looking for is Notting Hill. Notting Hill. Notting Hill. <laughs> and I actually looked uh, that up. I'm going to actually prove it. I have, I actually looked that up. I Googled that. I didn't, I did uh, not know that off the top of my head. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so Mopar, what were you doing in 1999? I have no clue. Um, I know I, I, I'm the same age as uh, Cody here, uh, but just to uh, let you guys know, I have the worst memory ever. So I don't even remember actually going to the movie theater to see the film. I remember my big conundrum um, for episode one was when I purchased it, I ordered it like online or something, pre-ordered it. My biggest uh, thing that I was worried about is, do I buy it on VHS or this newfangled thing called DVD? Um, <laughs> and I didn't think DVD was going to last, so I bought it uh, on VHS. Um, so, and to be honest, you know, being 10 years old, I wasn't so fully into the Star Wars universe yet. I was more of a kid that liked toys, uh, and uh, Star Wars just kind of gave me that avenue of just a just a flourishment of, you know, Legos and action figures and starfighters. So uh, it kind of actually sparked my interest in uh, a more in-depth, larger universe. Awesome. I guess that's just it. Like when you're that age, I can I can say even when the when the OT came out, I was just a kid and I saw this trailer about Star Wars and I was like, oh, I have to see this. And then of course that sparked the whole. Kenner toy, toy line, and it was this whole new thing. It's like, oh, I could actually pretend that from the movie I just saw, this is awesome. So I guess when Phantom Menace came out, they really had it down where once the movie hit, those toys were on the shelves. Those are like, they were ready for your generation. Like, it was like perfectly timed. Well, they also it, had our generation as well because the Power of the Force line came out just before that. And me and Anil would head down to the States all the time just to get the action figures about two months in advance because there was a two-month delay when it came up to Canada, to Vancouver. So we would head down there all the time. And it was just – it was getting our generation, getting nostalgic, and then slamming it with us with this new movie. And so what – do you guys remember the lineups that happened at Toys R Us? I worked at Toys R Us uh, actually – around that time and people were lined up to buy these power of the force action uh no sorry the phantom menace action figures and you know there were senators in the pile but i mean still it was people wanted the figures because they were like the power of the force lines so they got everybody on that at that time yeah i can remember that but i was okay 1999 i was um 26 so i was i i wasn't i wouldn't call myself a ladies man in high school at all and then once I, but once I hit my mid twenties, I was kind of starting to get my groove. So Star Wars wasn't. It came a, you mean like just a short second behind girls. <laughs> but, but needless to say, I did make my way to the theater to see it, and I remember being excited. I remember wanting everything from like all the nostalgia, and I'm sure um, Mopar and Cody, you guys can relate to this just with the Force Awakens coming out. Having a having something you love as a kid, and then having this trilogy, and then all of a sudden having this huge drought, and now it's back, and and all I kept thinking was, 
George Lucas now has unlimited funds and now this new CGI thing. And, oh, just imagine what he could do if he had all this mm-hmm. stuff. And, and then, boom, there it was. We got it. And he did. Yeah. He, he did. He did. Yeah. It was like <laughs> the most expensive independent film ever. I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure. Yeah, but that's where I was. I was, I was excited to see it. I, I saw it in a theater. I wasn't opening night guy. I, you know, waited a couple of days because this is before you can buy your tickets online and reserve seating. So I was a little bit past the point of, ah, I'm not waiting in line, but I'm definitely going to see it. So, I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't there first viewing in my town. I got to see it later that weekend, but yeah, that's kind of how that went down. So, okay, we're going to, I'm just going to pass this around the table. This movie came out, and before we get into the dis- divisiveness of the whole movie, uh, what, did, what was your favorite parts about it? I'm going to, Mopar, what is your, what, what's some of your things you really, really loved about this movie? Man, there are truly a lot of them. And I know this is one of the probably most hated movies uh, among the, the Star Wars fans. But, man, I truly enjoyed the pod race scene. I thought it was exciting. It was new. Uh, the pod racers themselves looked awesome. Um, the starships, the new starfighters, the Naboo starfighters, they looked sweet. I was so happy. And they, were, they really started expanding the universe uh, in the prequels. Um, I and, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I felt that the original trilogy was kind of closed in um, because they had limited resources of, of filming. So when you're walking around the Death Star, they're literally just showing a hallway. There, you don't you don't see a lot of uh, lavish stuff going on. Um, I think they they just push it to the limit. And uh, man, we got Maul, we got Qui Gon, uh, this new we got Naboo, we got Coruscant, double bladed lightsaber. I mean. Jedi Force powers are flipping around. That was the coolest fight that has ever happened, and it's not even close. That uh, that end scene between uh, Obi Wan and Maul, uh, it still to this day gives me goosebumps because you could just see that it's something special. It truly is. So, uh, Cody, you have anything to add to that? <laughs> he he <laughs> does a lot. I, I, I spoke for the movie. He, he's <laughs> yeah, we end up speaking for each other more often than we should. No, I mean obviously I'm not going to say anything bad about. What Mopar uh, mentioned there, Padres, Darth Maul, Qui-Gon Jinn, all that stuff. I think the biggest thing was the use of force powers, which obviously, you know, Jedi, they're the good guys. That's the hero with Luke Skywalker and the original trilogy that we're rooting for. And they have this mystical power called the force. But when you see Phantom Menace, you really see what people can do with this thing. And you got force speed for the first time. People are pushing and that whole fight with uh, with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Darth Maul at the end, it's just like expanding on what you even thought was possible. And that sets it up for, as they went through the movies, you know, by episode three, we have people swinging around freaking lava rivers and fighting each other to the death for like a half hour. And now we get into Kylo Ren in seven. I think episode one really started pushing what people expect of Jedi and Sith to be able to do. Uh, I do have to add quickly... The soundtrack was the other thing that really set it apart. Mm-hmm, yep. this, this new soundtrack, uh, you know, that the Duel of the Fates is so epic to this day. I, I, I would almost argue that's one of my favorite. It's probably my in my top two uh, Star Wars uh, um, soundtracks. So uh, I, I do want to uh, I, I just want to exclaim that. Is that OK? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I completely I completely agree with you because I was watching this movie just the other night as quote unquote homework for this recording. Like, well, I better bone <laughs> I better bone up on my Phantom Menace. So there is my wife rolling her eyes going, oh, God, when are we going to watch this again? <laughs> and so I'm watching. I'm like, OK, trade negotiations. Oh, that's cool. Oh, oh, on this version, they have this. And I'm trying to be. I'm trying to watch more of it. I'm just, I'm not following the lines and the characters. I'm looking what's going on behind. I'm trying to take it all in. And as soon as like, as soon as that duel of the fates come in, that then I'm on the edge of my seat again. I'm like literally hanging off the couch and I'm like loving it. I'm like, it's got me again. And it's what? 19 years. And you know, I was a 44 year old man sitting on the edge of the couch going, like it's just, and grinning ear to ear. I know. Um, yeah, that became like once that came out, that track, Duel of the Fates, became like the Star Wars music. Like, I, I forget the op- obviously, all the music's great. John Williams is a genius, but forget the opening crawl, forget the Imperial yep. March. It's Duel of the Fates, and I'm playing that on loop when I'm playing lightsabers yep. outside in the yard and everything. And e- every <laughs> every year at Christmas time, when you're wrapping up presents and you and your wife or your buddy, and you got the, the, the big roll, that cardboard roll you get from, from, the, yep. from the, the 
Christmas wrapping, and once you start clicking them together like a sword fight, that's that's instantly coming in your head. Rob Williams, what'd you love about this film? All right, so you guys said most of it. Um, I'm going to take it a little dif- different because, um, like I said, lightsaber is awesome. Pod racing was freaking awesome. The video game was freaking awesome. But mm-hmm. what what's what was key about all this sort of stuff? Now that it's years later and I've gotten older, uh, it's the the atmosphere. It's the re- re- repeat. Uh, sorry, try this again. It is the reoccurring aliens that come by. Okay. I'm going to say this again. I'm a big Reese fan. Yes. Um, I love my grands. And there's Mahonic there. They're in the Senate. Mm-hmm. There's Greedos. There's there's uh, all these. There's Ishi Tibbs. They're all in this atmosphere. And they're and up on the hill. There's a Tuscan Raider firing down on on pod racers. The atmosphere of this movie is it just brings me back to my childhood. And a lot of those came from Jabba's palace. And that, I think that's in. I think that's what's so cool about. It. This movie is when you have all these recurring aliens and they're connect, reconnecting with my childhood. It starts to I start to get into it a little bit more, and then and so and it's something that I um, I kind of wish was a little bit more in the more modern movies. I mean, yeah, you throw me a Neon Numb and an Akbar, but um, I've liked a little more reoccurrence and a little more familiar atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Give me new stuff, but at the same time, I mean, but at the same time, I just need a little bit of my old nostalgia there too and don't totally wipe it out but that being said also the sound design is fantastic ben it's bird is his best the the phasers the the um the nubian phasers can i say that on on the air nubian is it nubian i thought it's nabu yeah, Nabooian, Nabooian, uh, whatever. So Nubian. I think I'm, I'm just censoring the hell out of this. But uh, the phasers, um, those they sound awesome. There's this hollow sound to it. The pod racing, friggin' um, mm-hmm. Sebulba's pod racers got the wickedest go, go, sound. Go, 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 go. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I still hear a little bit in my new my new snow tires right now. I hear this little this solid deep. Uh, sound in it and it's just like I, I keep thinking of these pod racing sounds and when you play that pod racing n64 game it just brings it all back so you have the music that mopar talked about or sorry that uh, cody talked about and then you have these sound effects it's just like boom it's all there and it's just you, you, you seem to forget some of the things that held it back but it's just it was star wars for me and i love those two things and finally the um as a dad, uh, it's not my favorite, but it is the most impactful is when Anakin says goodbye. It's don't look back. And uh, Shmi, uh, I can't remember the actress who played Shmi. I'm so sorry. Um, the, the mother, it's 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 touching, it's saying goodbye to her son when she goes away, when he, when he goes away to a better life. And despite all the other stuff that's happened and the lack of emotion that people will say about this movie, that is the one thing that just kind of solidifies um just the pure motion of what darth vader is going to be come later on because of his goodbye to to his 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 mother goodbye to dwell on your mother (laughs) (laughs) my thoughts dwell on your mother (laughs) um, (laughs) oh and one thing too that nobody mentioned not on purpose i'm sure we just forgot because there's so many good things in this movie yes i know that's not surprising uh the jedi council like yeah, you see it was the Force Ghost. Like now, Obi Wan's back, and he's actually oh, in prison. He's young. He's in training, and the Jedi Council man, like in that little tower, there's like 20 Jedi Masters sitting around at the same time. Samuel Jackson's a Jedi. Like they just pulled out all the stops. There, it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to agree with almost everything you guys said. Also, too, when you're talking about the uh, Mopar, I think when you're talking about the Death Star, and you're talking about oh, they filmed in a hallway. It was the grandeur of it when they when they arrived at Coruscant. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, this is like, this is, you finally have the tools to show your vision. Like George Lucas finally had this, he could finally put on screen what he's always wanted. And it was like, it was huge. It was enormous. And mm-hmm. and for me as a fan, I wanted to know that backstory. Because I remember seeing Star Wars. And then when I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater, it said, you know, my, uh, Empire Strikes Back, episode episode five. And you're like, what? wait, what? And then now, when you went back and you say if you caught a double bill of uh, Star Wars, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, is at episode four, episode five. So we didn't, knew, we didn't know all this when the, the original New Hope came out. 
we just thought it was just boom star wars episode it's just star wars there is no sequel <laughs> so it, for us it was like oh finally i'm finally seeing episode one because i've had this teased back in 1980 and 1983 like mm-hmm. it's it's this is conclude this is i'm finally gonna get to see this so for me i loved it again like you guys said jedi council it's like there's more than just one jedi that living in a dirt hut on Tatooine. like this is they're an actual thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh it was fantastic i love it and just all the uh like just like i said the grandeur of it was was awesome you know that's that's an interesting perspective though that you guys growing up seeing the original trilogy you already had four five and six laid out so it was almost expected that obviously one two and three have to exist um and you know even though it took 20 years or so let's it, it it's at least a possibility now coming from our point of view after we saw one two and three i just expected it to be done I truly didn't think they would keep going with this because we've already got one all the way through six. It's built up. Um, and, you know, six ends in such an epic way. I, I never expected in 2005, after three came out, that we would have more Star Wars movie, movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the when we left uh, the, the episode three, uh, Neil was crying and we were all kind of emotional because we're like, well, that's it. I mean, we thought that was the end. Yeah, people would talk about it. I still remember Billy D. Williams saying something about seven, eight, and nine, and I think even Mark Hamill said that back in the eighties. But it was just, yeah, it was just talk, and it was nothing really was going to happen. We just thought that was it, and everything else was going to be filled in between, in between what happened, and or we read a book about it, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And it was so, so when episode one came out, we were like, we thought episode. Uh, we thought Return of the Jedi was it, and we'd never see it again, just be filled with books and stuff, and that's why we got so excited. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I have a, a half-brother that's 14 years younger than me, so he's he just turning 30 this year, and when I watched, uh, I know it's not Phantom Menace, but like it, when we're talking about the, the saga as its entirety, when I saw Revenge of the Sith, I was like, that was, I, I've been dying to see that, the last 20 minutes of that movie, for 25 years. This is what I wanted to see, you know, and I think with Phantom Menace coming out, this is what kicked it off. Now, okay, if we can jump off from this point here, Phantom Menace, it like I said, it's divisive. It it quote unquote let a lot of people down when it came out, and it's uh, it gets a lot of hate. And I personally, what I think is the we were so excited, especially people like uh, my age and, and Rob Williams. We were we what I were what I like to call the projected generation. We saw the original movies in the theater or at the drive-in when they came out, and now we're adults, and we're oh, this is part of my childhood. This is finally happening. I can't wait to see this. And it, it just the expectations were so high. Oh, George Lucas has unlimited funds. He has all his CGI. And I think a lot of people left disappointed because they, they set the bar way too high for themselves. Now, uh, you guys at the, at the Rogue Squadron, like you guys just, you were kids. You just went in and said, oh, hey, cool movie. So, uh, Cody, what do you think? Do you think the hype obviously hurt this movie? But overall, looking back, like you, you, you're looking at it from a completely different perspective than uh, Rob and I have. So what mm-hmm. was, when you guys left, it's like, oh, hey, cool movie. I got to buy the toy. Pretty much, yeah. It wasn't until, I mean, obviously back then... It came out. I don't even know if I saw it multiple times. I just I kept myself, you know, infatuated with the movie through the toys and stuff. And then once we had the once it was out on VHS, I mean, you could watch it all day. Like you could watch it yeah. every day. And that's when the obsession really began. Um, but to backtrack a second, that's a very interesting perspective as to how you internalize the original movies when you saw them as kids. Now you're an adult. Star Wars is back. Of course, it's not going to be exactly the same. And a lot of this divisiveness that's the word just like spark and last yep. jedi that's the word of the episode uh it comes from fans trying to get the same thing from those original movies that they want to feel like a kid again or they want to yep. see the exact same characters or they have something built up they want it to be exactly like this so it is it is a real gift to go in not a gift it's like a, it's a treat to go in and see a stars movie for the first time because you don't have any of that built up you don't have any expectations at all uh, and yeah, and it just like I said, it it really kicked off this uh, this obsession. Fantastic. And yeah. uh, uh, Mopar, you, you, uh, same thoughts. 
Like you're just completely you're... different thoughts. Um, <laughs> so it it's they're they're going through the, the same struggle now. So yeah, people are walking into this with such high expectations. So they not only have to meet those expectations, but also make a film for the now 10, 11, 12 year olds that they can jump on board and understand it in the same fashion and grow as star Wars fans. They did that same thing in 1999. Um, you know, we were on both different ends of the spectrum. I had no, no expectations. I wanted to see lightsabers and I got lightsabers. I wanted to see starships (laughs) and battles. I got starships and battles. So it, 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 they are growing as a franchise, I feel, in 1999 and really starting to understand, you know, we can do this again and do it differently this time um, because of the devices they have, uh, you know, the CGI and and the money. Just, I mean, the raw money put into these movies, uh, you can you can really see it. Um, and I know we kind of look back and laugh at the CGI sometimes now, but in 1999, The Phantom Menace looked awesome. I, I really thought outside of like, uh, Yoda's awkward like faux hawk thing and his and his bulging eyes and and, and, and puppet, but uh, outside of that, I mean, I thought the film looked great. So, um, I I just I think it didn't live up to the hype because it's impossible to. Uh, but at the same time, it grew the franchise. It doubled the franchise. You got a whole new uh, generation mm-hmm. of Star Wars fans out of the prequels. So yeah, well, also I just too- I just thought of something really quick based on what you said about how what Lucas had available to him when he made the movies. Do you think if, if Lucas could have done all the CGI craziness back in 77, if the original Star Wars would have kind of turned out like Phantom Menace? Yes. And then so our expectations I, would have been there from the beginning? I have, a, I have a question based off of your question. Do you think he would have started with episode one if he did have those devices available right. in 77? Right. Yes. I, 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 I assume he would have. Yeah. I don't think so. No. I, think, I, I really think he would have because you would have actually been – Excited to know who the emperor was. I don't know. That's. I mean, that we could go down that road and come back. Uh, you know, three hours later, uh, <laughs> discussing that. But yeah, I think it's a it's a interesting thought. Well, in comparison, I'm sure for for myself and Rob, like the emperor to us in the in the OT was much like Snoke. Oh, yes, there you go, Snoke <laughs> for you guys. Oh, who is this guy? Who is a supreme leader? Oh. Okay, well, but that's... Although they built up Snoke a little bit more than yeah, exactly. the Emperor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, uh, they trolled us. Um, Rob, I'm going to pass it to you, but what do you think... We hear a lot of things... Uh, Phantom Menace, it's like, you hear a lot of complaints. Obviously, I'm going I'm to throw it out there now. Obviously, Jar Jar Binks, yes. Like, oh, we hear all the jokes, we hear all the complaints. Um, and he's like, well, we get the answer. Well, it's a kid's movie. That's what he's there for. Yeah. But then they turn around and have all these, you know, trade talks and, and 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 trade blockade and and senate you're gonna lose your 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 license in the senate and all these what, what do you think and then about? anakin chokes his wife in the third movie that's pretty dark yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> like so so what do you think rob like uh you know much like i was like we watch what did it take a little taken aback by the jar jar being like that abrupt first of all uh i just want to back up just a touch a little bit to what you guys were talking about expectations um between 83 and 99 um, the things we had available to us in Star Wars were books, comics, the Ewok cartoon, the droids cartoon, and that was pretty much it. There was not a lot of expectations built up. And then action figures eventually based on the old action figures. But between Episode 3 and Episode 7, you now had Clone Wars, two versions of it, mind you, mm-hmm. books again, comics again, Dark Horse comics. You uh, you had video games, even Terra Kasai games, for crying out loud. And it was just like you had all these things, and now there was a lot more history built up. The canon has gotten larger and larger and larger. The, the stories have been developed more. You've even had clone loops, for crying out loud. And so all this stuff, the 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 weight and size of these of the stories has gotten bigger, so the expectation is assumed to be bigger. Mm-hmm. So when Force Awakens comes out, we see Finn. He's in a stormtrooper. Oh, just like that hand it was, used to be a stormtrooper story, or you know whatever. And it's just like there's all these expectations. Oh, Ray, it's got to be a relative of Luke. Why? Because that's all we've learned. That's all we've learned. For basically, uh, Luke had a daughter, and then there was twins, uh, and then there was this. It's all we've learned. So now, when they're taking a separate way, 
you're going to, you can't satisfy everybody. And so I've, I've learned and Jamie and my, on my podcast has taught me this, just go in. It's a star Wars movie. Don't go in with expectations because it ruined rogue one for me. Uh, rogue one is on the bottom of my list because I had all these expectations. And so I've taken a break from it. Maybe five years down the road, I'll enjoy the movie again. But, um, it's, it's all about expectation, and I think uh, with all, you just have to go in there now and just enjoy a movie. As for Jar Jar, I'm a, I'm a guy, I like children's literature, I like children's st- stories. I think if I wasn't a teacher, I'd probably be developing a lot of children's shows, literature, or, or programming. I think that's kind of where my, my milieu is. And this is a bit confusing for a lot of people because Jar Jar is for kids. The, the fact they cast um, Jake Lloyd is... This is for kids. They should, and I'm sorry, they should have casted a 15, 16-year-old. But they didn't. They casted Jake Lloyd, which means this is for kids. And it's all for kids. This is a neat trick. Spitting will work. That all that other stuff, it's for kids. And the poop jokes. So then when you enter in taxation, that's for the adults. That's for my my age as I'm watching this. And I, and I can see what was trying to happen. But it did miss the mark a lot, and uh, it, it, it annoyed other people. But in the end, it is a kind of a kid's movie that grows up to a more of an adult movie, just like Harry Potter does. Harry Potter starts with a kid's movie, but as the years go by, if you watch the backgrounds, as, as, this, as the episodes go by, you'll notice it gets a little darker. The girls and boys in the background are all snogging. They're, they're making out. They didn't do that in episode one, but now or the first movie. But now they're in, in movie number four. And it's growing up with Harry. It's growing up with the audience. And mm-hmm. it becomes that. And uh, and so that's what I think has been happening here. But it was originally for kids. And then Jar Jar is wiped away because of all for whatever reason. It's and, snogging, probably. Pro- yeah. Well, <laughs> no, he, he's got that tongue. Yeah. So, but, uh, snogging in the background. <laughs> but it's I, – sorry. I, I, I'm rambling again. But I just think – I'm not a fan of Jar Jar. But I don't hate Jar Jar because he, did, he, he was there for a reason. I enjoyed everything else. And I just – it, it was unfortunate that Jar Jar didn't have any redeeming qualities when it came to the battle. Everything was an accident. Everything was unintentional. And if they had made him a more intentional uh, hero as opposed to an accidental hero like uh, Buster Keaton sort of thing, then it would have worked a bit better. But uh, but he had his purpose, and people still love Jar Jar. He yeah. just had too much screen time. That's I, I. That's how I feel about it. I don't hate yeah. the character either, but it, he's it, he's on screen for like forty minutes straight, and I just I can't just get him off the screen. <laughs> yeah. I need to see a lightsaber real quick, and then we can get back to the Jar Jar mistake. Well, he he was fantastic in Attack of the Clones. Like he didn't bother me there. <laughs> you know, because right, I mean? he's just there. And and now that I got you guys, uh, I'm gonna throw it to Cody first, but I'm gonna ask. As a kid, now I know uh, as an adult when I watch, I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta put up with this Jar Jar. Oh, now we're getting into the taxi. Now I get this other part of the movie. You guys watching this? Oh, there's lightsabers, there's battles, there's Jar Jar. Then there's what's taxation? There's trade routes. Like what? How did you guys see that? Was it just did it just blow over you, or did it? It must have slowed it down for you. I'm sure. I honestly don't remember. Just, I really don't remember. Yeah. It just because I don't think movie. I don't I don't think it it is the underlying plot, but I don't think it takes up that much time. Like okay. they're not sitting there talking about taxes for a half hour. It actually like, does. I watched it last night, and then I watched <laughs> the rest of it this morning, and I had to stop because I was getting tired. I love it, but it does drag a little bit. Um, and then once I I restarted, it was all they got back into the uh, we're going to take our land back sort of attitude, and it, it, it's the last third last quarter of the movie is is fantastic it does drag a touch in be, after in between uh pod races and stuff and even then it's extended but well, it does drag a touch and that's amazing because i actually watched it in two parts myself because i started watching it got too tired went to sleep and then i watched the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, mopar uh, what did uh, when you were watching this as a kid did it did this all this taxation and trade and senate talk kind of what drag so, the movie down for you I would say no. So as a 10-year-old kid watching the movie, the first part of the movie, I'm seeing Obi-Wan for the first time as as a Jedi and uh, his master. So as a kid, when I was viewing, even though the taxation was like the underlying plot device there, I, w- I was watching Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon fight battle droids, which was awesome. And then they get down to Naboo. 
You get to meet the Gungans, which is kind of exciting, even though it's fumbling, bumbling, mumbling. But then you get to it's all the like the under underwater Godzilla and then like the snake beast thing. And it's like I think they almost dragged it along for the kids like the uh, species and, and the battles. So while it might be now looking back a little slow, I was not worried about it at all. And I think the taxation thing truly just went over my head as a 10 year old. And mm-hmm. I was worried and I already knew and it. I don't know how I knew, but you just understand. Okay, these guys are evil. They have battle droids, and clearly Queen Amidala is the good guy um, or good girl, good woman. I don't know, guys. Listen, so <laughs> so I, I just I, I think the at least the first half of the movie, while it might be a bit slow, I, I was just so excited and so ecstatic to have this stuff actually on film that I, I wasn't I wasn't worried about it at all. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it, it may take up more screen time than I think it does but definitely wasn't thinking about that when i was 10 and even now when i watch it it's kind of i don't know it doesn't bother me maybe maybe i'm uh well no it's on, it's, the, on the outside there no it's probably like a, a lot like when i i remember when watching new hope like i didn't know like uh princess leia oh well the senate will never let you get away with this you know and everything else and and then tarkin and it's just i just like oh that's right. the princess she's in white she's pretty she's the good i mean she's good there's luke he's good there, you know, like it's like it just, it just, I didn't pay attention to any of that, you know. Well, first, especially like, when they when they talk about the Senate dissolving and yeah. now the regional governors are in control. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that ever really stuck with all the kids yet with you guys. Right, right. And then you got even the first, um, as far as dragging, the first like fifteen minutes is kind of just C three PO and R two D two mumbling around on Tatooine until they jump into Luke. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, okay. We're all Star Wars podcasters, so obviously we we like what? this. Yes. <laughs> well, nope. we we call ourselves that anyway. It's on a business card somewhere. But so we obviously really love this stuff. But uh, I'll throw it off to to Rob first. Aside from obviously, well, we address the elephant in the room, the Jar Jar. What didn't you like about this movie? What would you? Was there anything you change if you were you're George Lucas and you get another chance to do another special edition of Phantom Menace? What would, <laughs> what would you change? Effentmon was in this movie. All right. Um, sorry, it's my elephant joke. Thank you very much. Here all night. Um, all right. So the one thing, uh, well, a couple of things I didn't like. Um, dialogue is really, it's not his forte. It's, uh, yeah, it's I'm not a fan of the dialogue too much. Um, I don't, maybe it's the delivery. Maybe it's uh, Portman's delivery. I'm not going to give crap to Jake Lloyd because he's a kid actor. He did the best he could. Um, I I commend him for what he did. He was done what he, he was asked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to hear any crap about Jake Lloyd. But uh, <laughs> but I want to be positive about him, even though he's had a, lot, a tough time lately. Um, but what, one of the things that, I, that surprised me, okay, so I watched the movie again last night for the first time in a while on a new TV. Um, I'm, my girlfriend's TV is a better TV than my old TV. It, it startled me how it dated the the cgi dated uh it it looks like a like an old uh, video game or something like your your sci-fi tv shows like the librarian or something like that it's anything that was cgi really stood out and when i watched it on my old tv or even watch on mopar's vhs you know it's just like the graininess actually made it look better it held up better it was it it, it the whole everything fit in jarger didn't look out of place the the these the cities didn't look too too bright everything just seemed to hold but when i looked at it on i used it i just used a dvd player uh and a regular dvd no blu-ray even then it was a little bit like it was dated yeah. that being said you, you learn to ignore that but it's because that's what movies do i mean right. people give keep people crap out cgi and they want more practical effects but i go back and i watch like clash of the titans from the yeah. 80s and harry Hausen, who's a magnificent genius it still looks dated Harryhausen right. animation still looks out of place. So that's okay. what it looked here. And you just kind of ignore it and you just enjoy for what it is. Well, that's not a lot like when we watch, uh, if you watch New Hope on the DVD versions and they have the original theatrical cuts of the movies yeah. and you're looking at the the, uh, the award ceremony at the end of New Hope and you're like, half the audience is cardboard cutouts. <laughs> Be- because we can see them now on my huge, right, you yeah. mean, 60-inch you mean HD TV? I'm like, what? what? Right. This doesn't. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with you, Rob. That's that's something yeah. that struck me too. It almost looked like, oh, there's 
there's Jar Jar. He's clearly not in the room. This is clearly green screen. Like, I and that's that kind of stood out for me. And uh, and also, um, it like I said, the dialogue and and uh, part of the I, I don't know. It's you can tell where, uh, for example, when Jay, uh, Anakin's saying, "But I just," and he's supposed to be interrupted by. Um, Qui Gon Jinn. I just want to stay. I, I guess he's trying to say, but I want to go with you. But is but I. And there's a pause, and it's just go here, stand here, say this, and then move on, and to the next line. So it's just it's a bit of the control, of the dialogue, and 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 how it is. And when I see Natalie Portman do other movies like Black Swan, or even just a simple uh, TV show where she can be very expressive, and then I see her here, it, I'm a little bit disappointed on her performance, and so. That's that's as negative as I want to get. I'm done being negative. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No problem. But no. This is this is this. That was the question, Rob, and you you answered it perfectly. Mopar, what do you think? What would you do? You change anything out of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I think eyebrow movement would be key to making this whole movie a lot better. Because what eyebrows show are emotion. Right. And no one in this in, in, in this entire movie has emotion. You look at Qui-Gon's face, he literally just, his beard twitches a little bit, but that's it. You see Obi-Wan on screen for the first time, and it's he has like the, the least amount of energy that I've ever seen in a Jedi. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, we, well, how, why do I feel like we've brought on another useless life form? Are you including yourself in that useless life form? Because you haven't, you haven't shown any bit of emotion yet. So I, I really think they, they missed a key on like character development. You, you try to explain, and um, there's a, uh, another show, and they did... Uh, Try to explain the characters in in this film without describing what they look like. So, and you go you go to Obi Wan. You're like, well, he was like stoic. Like, what? Like, you can't even like explain. You can't even explain who he is because you they didn't develop that in this film. Um, so, I think emotions across the board. They could have done a lot more character development. I think the one that stands out might be actually Jake Lloyd. I think you could see that he was unsure. He was scared. His thoughts did dwell on somebody's mother. Um, but I, I think he might actually be one of those uh, outsiders that he did his part. Um, so, and then beyond that, I mean, I have to uh, disagree that the, well, I understand that the CG looks dated, but the the fact that you said it looks better on the VHS that is nostalgia talking. I'll, I can't. I can't. I can't sit here and say anything looks better on VHS. Um, now, to be fair, I, I am watching it on like Blu-ray, so I'm sure they have done up, you know, touched it up a lot. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I'll just leave it there. I, I don't want to um, crap on Jar Jar the camel fart. Um, there's a lot of like <laughs> awkward. Um, puppets uh and we'll throw yoda in there and the whoopie whoopie guy it doesn't look like a species the whoopie whoopie guy looks like a drunken idiot inside a a rubber suit like why what are you doing on screen so um there there are a lot of cringeworthy moments on this film though the phantom botox the phantom (laughs) cody um anything else you want to add to changes I agree that the uh, yeah the CGI technology for eyebrows was not quite ready in '99. <laughs> obviously, um, every the big things have been touched on. One very small thing that always used to bug the crap out of me is the Neomodians and their mouth movements and the ADR. Oh God, yes. Like they, it's never in sync. Like there's barely a moment in that entire movie where their mouths and what they actually say lines up at all. Yep. And that's one thing that every time I watch it, I can't not focus on their mouths, and it drives me nuts. No, to- totally, totally agree. Um, if, for myself, if it would have to be, uh, like, like you said, the dialogue, you can't blame the actors, like you guys said. Like, come on, let's go play ball. That's what kids do, right? They play ball. All right, that, that sounds great. Yeah. Like, I just can't, just, it's just a lot of facepalm moments. I get, I, like, I really did enjoy the movie. Also, too, I'm in the uh, Astromech Build Club, so we build R2-D2s or Astromechs obviously. <laughs> and there's a bunch of guys that are building BB-8s now, but they they actually use a few shots where they reverse the shot. 
in order to put it in context. So you see Jake mm-hmm. Lloyd, he's like, uh, well, Liam Neeson tells him, hey, you stay in that cockpit. Okay, he stays in, and then he turns around and he turns and says, no, you stay there, but the shot's been reversed. So you see R2 and his radar eye and his hollow projector all of a sudden flip. <laughs> and like I said, I know it's a nitpick, but as a astromech builder, I'm like, I was pausing it when I was re-watching it going, I they flipped the shot. That's not what R2 looks like. This is war. Like, and for me, it's an atrocity. Of course, it's a minor thing. And they. they yeah, they, but we, we all know the Tuscan Raiders scene from Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. But that's what they did. So they're flipping you know, a few things like that. Again, like, like uh, Cody, like you were saying, like syncing up the audio a little bit. Um, uh, uh, Rob. <laughs> it's, it, it's just for them. It's yeah. just for those dang Neemodians, man. Trade but just, oh, I forgot about that. It just sync up the sync up the audio and also to tighten like Rob said tighten up the edit a little bit when it comes to Jake Lloyd again yeah he I'm not gonna crap on a ten year old he did a great job yeah but uh, I don't know it just it, it can be if okay if it, I, there's a few things I'd fix but I am I'm gonna start by stating this if Phantom Menace came out on its own without all the hype and without all the history and it was just here's this movie don't even call it part one just say Here's this movie. Like, so you have no idea if there's going to be a sequel. That would be one of the greatest movies of all time. Like, people would be looking at that like a like we look at Avatar. Like, what an achie- what an achievement! What an awesome thing! I you hope saw. to God it's better than Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> it is better than Avatar, and I agree with that actually. Yeah, and but I, you, I agree it's better than Avatar. Yes. Yeah, but but you understand what I'm saying. If it would, it didn't have yeah. any hype and it just came out, be like, wow, I went to the movies last night and I saw this wicked flick. Like it had everything. It had a stupid Jar Jar guy for my kids was laughing. I had all this awesome taxation talk, and I'm a accountant. It was great <laughs> for me. Like it was just, you know what I mean? Like it just. Yeah. I think without the hype, it would have been fantastic. But now, a, a bunch of years later, I think this the uh, the hate that Phantom Menace got really mm-hmm. helped Force Awakens when it eventually came out. Now, if you look at, like, okay, I walked into Phantom Menace, with, the bar was so high, oh, unlimited funds, great CGI, let's see what you can do. But when I, now, I, that was after a long break from Star Wars. Then I get another break from Star Wars, and now we have Part 7 coming out. I'm like, this is fantastic. This is the continuation I've been waiting for. I'm going to see what happens after Return of the Jedi. I'm going to see all my old favorites, but... I don't want to be let down. So going into Force Awakens, Phantom Menace unintentionally lowered my bar a bit. And I enjoyed Force Awakens probably 10 times more because I didn't have that hype behind it. I was I, I tempered expectations. Well, also, The Force Awakens is a better movie. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so whether whether or not your expectations were high or low or, you know, I, I just think... Um, they hit it. They hit it right on the head with the Force Awakens and how to create a film that can stand alone. You created new characters, talked about where they came from and grew from there. Instead of where in '99, we we've seen half of these characters already, and it's just it's exciting but awkward to see them because they didn't do any growth there. So. That's what yeah. I was just gonna say. Is like there was hype as far as the fandom and the whole yep. universe goes for Force Awakens, but it's starting on a brand new foot. So with the exception of knowing that Luke Han, Leia, and Chewie were gonna be in the mix somewhere, we're starting with almost brand new characters across the board. Yeah. So well, that, that, that was my my bit. point was it's almost like a like almost like a jaded lover where it's like, oh, I had. I mean, that's what I mean. Going into Force Awakens, I was like, mm-hmm. ah, I'm not gonna let myself get too carried away on this mm, right. new thing. Um, okay, so, you know what, uh, just, just to wrap up this podcast, I'm sure we'll be talking about this movie for decades to come. I'll throw it off to Rob Williams first, but, uh, you're, you're selling somebody on this movie. You're going to tell somebody, you're trying to convince somebody, okay, I know you've heard a lot of crap about this movie, but how do you get, how, okay, I've never seen it before, I've heard a lot of bad things, how, how do you get me to watch it? Okay, so this did happen to me last night, I was oh. trying to sell my girlfriend on this movie. Uh, um, it was hard because she, she had heard that the, the movie was, she had seen it uh, before, but, uh, she hadn't seen it since 99, I guess. And so it's, it's, it's a hard sell if to a Star Wars, to a non-Star Wars fan. Um, actually it might be even easier just to a non-Star Wars fan. Um, I don't know how to sell this movie. It's just like, if you want to see the story of, of how Darth Vader 
began, this is where you begin. I don't believe in the machete rule of cutting this one out. It's 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 important. It's uh, whether you agree with uh, the story or not. It's there. It is. Deal with it. And uh, this is how it's how it goes. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's a tough question. I just say, if you want to know the story of Darth Vader, you need to watch this and, and just enjoy, just keep, leave your expectations at the door and just watch a fun movie from the night from 99. And uh, just don't go in expecting Star Wars. Awesome. Mopar, what do you, how do you, how are you selling us? Well, you might start with a good discount. Um, <laughs> discount <laughs> might be uh, a, a great way to, to try to sell this movie. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I would say this movie is probably the most difficult for a non-Star Wars fan to get into because it doesn't have that character development. You you can't latch on to something and grow with them. Um, so I'd actually agree. If, if you want to know more about Darth Vader, you have to watch this movie. You get to understand where he comes from, why he's good at stuff. You, um, the, the, I mean, the pod race, while it, it, it's a fun and exciting thing, it's also very pivotal to he is the only human that can do it, mm-hmm. even though and that's, he's that's, nine yeah, yeah. and he's nine. So you see natural talent there. Um, so I would just sell it on. You want to see a movie before the dark times, before the Empire? Go watch episode one. Perfect. <laughs> Cody, very much. Uh, so this is a little weird, but the way I would sell them on this if they're not a Star Wars fan is to actually start with Episode 7. And this is real-life scenario because I've been trying to get my wife into Star Wars for <laughs> eight years. Um, and she really, really, really loved Force Awakens. She wanted to know more about Rey. She loved Poe. She loved Finn and, and Rey's back and forth, BB-8, et cetera, et cetera. And she wants to know what the heck's going to happen between Rey and Kylo Ren. So because she's been captured by these new characters, I'm like, well, if you have a little bit of interest and you want to know where all this started or you hear them talking about the legend of Luke Skywalker and you don't know where he began, let's go back and start at the beginning. And now you're going to get this backstory. So like like you guys have mentioned, to a non-Star Wars fan, it is hard to sell. But what I would do is try to get them you know, invested in Star Wars, in the Star Wars universe in the first place and then jump back. And it, it kind of works best. The prequels work best as watching the originals or getting invested into Star Wars and then going and like to see all this setup. It's weird to start with them. I just wanted to add one thing. I totally forgot something. Um, I remember before when I had a kid, we always talked about what order would you show your kids this movie? And everybody would talk, okay, machete or four, five, six, one, it's release, whatever. I actually started with this one because I tried uh, Star Wars. It, it dragged to him for him. He was about four at the time. But when he saw Jar Jar and the pod race, he actually bought into this real quick. So if, mm-hmm. depending on your audio audiences, I think for young kids, this actually might be a great movie to start with. Very true. Uh, it, From personal, it's exp- so silly. personal experience, it is a great movie to start with. <laughs> I will say, yes, it got me hooked on Star Wars. <laughs> Case in point. Yeah, I, I think for, for myself, if I'm trying to sell this movie, it's uh, again, it's for me, it's all about backstory. That's what got me hyped. I have to agree with Cody. Like it's got that's what got me excited about it. Um, and as Rob, same as you, like it doesn't drag like the, like the original trilogy. And I know a lot of people poo poo the, uh, special editions saying, uh, I know people like who saw the original movies and then, oh, now they're in special editions. They're like, oh, they wrecked my, my childhood and my original Star Wars. No, if I'm showing somebody the Star Wars saga now, those special editions make it a little bit less, more seamless mm-hmm. when you're watching them one through seven or eight now you mean because now if they're they're touched up a bit but for this movie i'd be like okay listen i know you heard a lot of things uh chlorians we haven't talked about on this podcast but we can that's a whole other show i'm quite sure i'm okay with it i'm okay yeah, i'm okay yeah i'm okay i'm cool with it i it you mean i i'm just gonna you, for to sell this movie you got to stop I, I what i have to stop doing is apologizing for it yes okay i know you heard about jar jar chlorians and i know there's a lot of things and that this is going on in taxation, forget all that. Just sit down, enjoy the movie. Because it but is. If someone hears midichlorians for the first time and has never heard about the Force, then eh, what's there to be upset about? Exactly. 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 But if you're looking online, it's like, well, I'm going to go watch this movie tonight. And Rob wants me to come over and start watching the saga thing. And holy crap, like this is, this, this is a steaming pile of something. Like, because you're not going to watch any videos or YouTube videos that are like, hey, 
I really love this movie. 99% of the Phantom Menace videos out there are all poo-poo in the movie. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so... You know, one another thing that sets this movie apart is the fact that they're using non-humans as key characters. So we have our Sebulbas, we have our Boss Nasses, the Neomodians. Um, you know, there's a lot of like somewhat main characters or or plot changing characters in this film that are non-human, which is exciting and it makes so much sense because when you go back to the original trilogy, it's Tarkin and the Emperor and Vader. He ends up being uh, a pasty white guy too so everybody's <laughs> a human and it, it kind of encloses that original trilogy along with the actual sets that they used um but i think it's just this is a movie for not the star wars characters but the star wars galaxy it op- it's an open door yeah. um to uh what's possible in this uh, universe that they created awesome well, there you go, guys. Uh, this has been our, our retrospect. Again, this is just a short one-hour podcast. We can go on for hours and hours and hours, but I'm so glad that you guys were able to join me. I'm going to throw it around the table real quick, and you can tell everybody what you got going on and where your shows can be found and whatnot. So, Rob Williams. Well, you can find the Generation X podcast on, you know, where you find podcasts on our website, Twitter, Facebook. Um, yeah. We talk on episode 122, we talk about surviving the dark times, so that period between 83 and 98-ish, where Star Wars was assumed to be done. And so we talk about what was available for us then, what did we do during these, during this time where Star Wars was just finished. So I would check that out. Uh, also, I, um, I'm, I host my own podcast slash uh, YouTube video called The Outer Rim Rookie. It's a beginner's journey to join the 501st, so I'm trying to build my armor. Uh, it's been I'm sp- celebrating my one year anniversary of of puttering around. <laughs> I, sh- I thought I would have been done by now, but unfortunately I'm not. So um, so I've got another ep- uh, podcast coming out soon about one year and uh, talk about the challenges that I've had over this year and some of the things that I've been really learned and some of the things I've valued over this time. And that's that's and that's uh, the videos have me as well as Terry Chu, who is a prop designer for movies and TV and uh, at one time a commanding officer of the 501st and so he helps me through this and um, seriously if I can do it anybody can do it so as, as our tagline is armor is built on hope and it really is so, <laughs> so that's where you can find me awesome uh, Mopar um, I'll let you be the spokesperson for the uh, Rogue Squadron podcast so yeah Rogue Squadron podcast uh, myself and Commander Cody uh, co-host the show. Uh, we've been going on. We actually just hit our four-year anniversary uh, two weeks ago-ish. Um, so you can find us any social media, every social media. We're on YouTube now. Uh, we do live streams normally every Sunday. Um, it's kind of your not your child's podcast. We are beer drinking belligerents, um, and we and we live up to it. So if you just want to kind of sit around and chat about and argue with uh, other Star Wars fans, you guys can find us uh, live on YouTube. It's Rogue Squad Pod or Rogue Squadron Podcast, um, and I- iTunes is uh, good as well. Awesome. And uh, Cody, I wanted to ask you, can you tell uh, the good people about what you guys got going on during the, your day job? <laughs> yeah, so besides... Um, co-hosting and producing Rogue Squadron. I also run a podcast production agency. So I help people start, launch podcasts, figure out how to record, help them troubleshoot equipment, um, et cetera. Basically anything that involves the world of podcasting. Uh, And I I take on clients for regular work or I'm just happy to get on the phone and chat with somebody and try to help them, you know, get their show launched or figure out what's uh, holding them up. So podcastmasters.net is the company. Uh, There's a link on there. Anybody can schedule a meeting with me if they're curious about how to get rolling. And I'd love to chat with you. Fantastic. And where were you two years ago when I said... (laughs) Because <laughs> I, I learned all this trial and error stuff there. Was, <laughs> awesome. Uh, you Congrats find, on four years, by the way. Yes, guys. absolutely. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Uh, you can find myself at Robert MM Cast on the Twitter machine. And don't forget to talkstarwars.co.uk for all that stuff. And if you are a patron for Talk Star Wars, you can uh, jump in on one of these retrospectives or a regular roundtable we do once a month for Talk Star Wars. So until next time, we will see you around the roundtable. If you'd like to support what we do here at Talk Star Wars, then head to patreon.com forward slash talkstarwars and become a patron. 
Your support will help us as we expand our programming to include further shows. And in return, you'll get access to an exclusive VIP Facebook group, a monthly prize draw, weekly Facebook live sessions, priority release podcasts, an exclusive daily podcast, and a whole lot more. Head to patreon.com forward slash TalkStarWars today and become a TSW patron.